this is where I feel like we, um, our next frontier is, yep. is commercial gyms must do a much better job incentivizing and paying their staff for the value that they bring to the gym. At the same time, they need to create opportunities for the staff to continue to bring more value so that they don't top out. Before we get you to the interview, remember, this podcast is brought to you by the Active Life Seminar. We used to travel around the country and people would pay up to $1,500 to fly somewhere, stay in a hotel, buy food, get a rental car, and miss work to take our two-day seminar to learn how to better assess their clients and their members in their gym so they can identify the movement impairments that are going to hold them back, cause them aches, cause them pains, cause them injuries before it happens. The movement assessments that we teach to coaches, the theory and the science behind them, leads gym owners who have clients who are joining their gym from other gyms just like it. So if you own a CrossFit gym, a member joins your CrossFit gym and they say they've been doing it for the last two or three years. You put them through our movement screen and what you're going to hear from them is nobody has ever been that thorough with me before. And they love it. So this podcast is brought to you by the Active Life Seminar. You can find it on our website. And when you go there, all you got to do is enroll in the next seminar. You can do it from home. Do it from the gym. No hazmat suit. No mask. No touching weird people you never met before. This is your first step to finally turning your passion for fitness into a meaningful and fulfilling career. And we believe that fulfilling means you have the ability to help all of the clients who you want to help while earning the financial and time freedom to live the life that you want outside of the gym. That's it. Hope to see you at the seminar soon. Welcome back to another episode of Turning Pro on the Active Life Podcast. I'm Larry Guy. We're here with Dr. Sean Pestucci. What's up, guys? We talk a lot about personal training in the boutique gym setting and the CrossFit gym setting. What are some of the differences between that and working as a personal trainer in a commercial gym? There are major differences. Major differences. The, the first major difference we need to talk about is the way that they're paid, the way that they acquire clients, and why it is that way. Then we can start to move into things like the exercise selection and the way that they can attract people to them. The way that somebody is going to attract a personal training client in a group fitness facility like a CrossFit gym or a, you know what? Most of the beat, the boot camp places don't allow personal training. So I'm just going to stick with the CrossFit gym in this one. So the difference here is that in a CrossFit gym environment, the personal trainer is going to have a relationship with most of the members in the gym. They have the advantage of people know their name. They get exposed to the way that they coach, the acumen that they have. It's fairly easy if you have the diversity of understanding that you can't just give them the whiteboard workout as a group workout one-on-one. -on -one. Oh, as long as you know that, it's fairly easy to acquire personal training clients in a CrossFit gym if you can provide them a valuable solution that is better for them than the group or amplifies their experience right. in the group. can do something for them that the group can't that would allow them to enjoy the gym more. The barrier in the CrossFit gym is typically the number of members, the number of coaches, the amount of space, 
available to do this with. And the fact that members are already paying a higher premium than they're paying to go to a mm. commercial gym. So if, for example, if the average CrossFit gym is 150 bucks a month and the average commercial gym is 40, that's effectively one personal training session every single month for free at the commercial gym before it matches the price of the CrossFit gym. Mm -hmm. So I believe that the salesmanship needs to be a little bit better in the boutique environment than it does in the commercial environment for two reasons. The one I just described, the number two, in the commercial environment, it's expected. People expect that there's going to be an opportunity for personal training there and they don't expect it necessarily in the group gym unless mm. it's done well, the way that we teach our gyms to do it. Right. We work with us in pro path. So it's not acculturated in the boutique gym. Correct. Correct. It's, it's a part of the culture in the commercial gym. It's not a part of the culture in the boutique. Mm. Now, the other thing about this is I don't know that people understand how much commercial gyms actually depend on personal training to function. A commercial gym in New York in a suburban area that is, let's say, 25 to 30,000 square feet of floor space. It's not that big. That's a, that's a good-sized gym, but it's not that big. Um, We're talking three, four, 5,000 members. That's what they need, right? So a gym like that is going to cost, if they don't have group fitness instructors running 40 to 50 classes a week in the group fitness studio, that gym is going to cost sixty to $70,000 a month to operate before anything, right? Before they make a profit. So if they're selling memberships at $40,000, $40, excuse me, thank you, they need 2,000 members before they're profitable at all. Right. And none of us would be happy with the margin on that profit. Right. So the way that these gyms are able to amplify their profits is by having personal trainers who are able to sell high-ticket services to a small percentage of the membership and glean a nice margin on it. It seems oftentimes to trainers unfair that the gym is taking 60, 65 even percent of the training session value and the trainer's only getting 35% to 40%. Now, what I would say here is sometimes I agree. That is unfair and unreasonable. Sometimes it's appropriate. And I imagine most people don't expect to hear that coming out of me. The difference is in the commercial gym, generally speaking, you have the opportunity to build a career over a long period of time. Where commercial gyms falter and blow it, over and over and over and over and disgustingly over again is they fail to advance the personal trainer's pay as the personal trainer becomes more experienced, more educated, more valuable. So the personal trainer runs into this wall of, I have no more time to sell. I'm still not making enough money to live the kind of life that I want to live. And God forbid I should go on vacation. It's a week or two away and then two weeks of building my business back up when mm -hmm. I get back. So it costs me like a month of pay. I remember that. It's hard. So the advantage of working in a commercial gym as a trainer is you should, should, should 
be able to fill your book of business if you just put the work in. Easier than you can do it in a boutique gym that focuses on group class. You're not worried about like, oh, I can't train at that time. There's a class and there's no room and it's loud. That's not a thing. Right. You can train anytime. Right. The downside is that most commercial gyms have not been progressive enough to create career opportunities for their trainers. And so these trainers end up hitting a ceiling, burning out, and leaving. And I think that COVID was a really good example uh, to demonstrate that to a lot of different places. The trainers found themselves working with these clients in their homes or in parks, especially in the New York area, because they, the gyms couldn't be open. And when the gyms reopened, instead of the trainers all coming back, they felt disincentivized right. from coming back. And they right. said, screw it. Mm -hmm. I'm making twice as much money in the same amount of time by working with these people elsewhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it was like me when I was in that exact same position, it was like, cool, the gym's charging a hundred. My member's willing to stay with me outside of the gym while it's closed. What if I just charge, instead of being smart and charging a hundred, what if I charged you 50? So you only pay, had to pay <sighs> half as much, but I'll now keep 25 more dollars than I was making. You I mean, didn't do that though. What's that? You didn't no, 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 no. This is a conversation that I had with countless, Got it. countless right, trainers right, 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 at the time um, who are all like, this it's a win-win. Well, it's a, it's a half win-win. Right, right, right. right. So yeah, I'm, I want to be clear. We're not advocating trainers just taking their clients from the gym and then leaving because you have to respect the idea that the gym is the reason you met those people in the first you place. You have free marketing. You have free advertisement. People mm -hmm. are being placed in front of you. right. And they're expected to understand what you're there for, what you do. Yes. In working with Hollywood Health Club here in Long Beach, what inspires me about what could be in the, in the personal training department of commercial gyms is that they recognized the need to put copious education into their trainers early on in their, in their career. And the interesting thing about this, and I want to share this story, is this gym has been open now for since January, right? It was a New York sports club for about 20 years. No, 30 years. And in between, no, 20. And in between, before the sports club, it was Hollywood. So it was the same gym before. And the owner of the gym, who decided not to re-rent the space to New York sports club, decided to reopen Hollywood, came to us early on and said, hey, we have these old school trainers who worked with us 30 years ago. Now they're driving buses or they're doing whatever, and they'd really like to come back. Can we, can we rehire them? And we explained why they can, and they would have to go through the exact same education as all of the trainers who are on staff are going through now and make it through and then be a trainer. And to their credit, they said, okay, we totally understand. No, no special rules. And none of those people decided to come back. Right. I think that there are a lot of gyms out there that still have those people working in them. And it's reasonable that somebody who's unwilling to gain education become more valuable. It's reasonable to continue paying them what their value is. But when you have trainers, like what Hollywood has done that I think is so cool is they've skewed the pay rate for the trainers such that in the beginning of their career, they are going to be doted on as it pertains to development. I mean, we're, we're washing them with education yeah. every single week. Well, the, the advantage to them is they're down the block. So we meet with them in person. 
mm-hmm. every single week. And then we give them assignments to do when they leave every single week. It's a really cool environment. It's a really cool opportunity. But in the beginning, the gym recognizes they're paying us for that. And there's an expense to that. So these trainers are going to be paid less to become more valuable. Right. So- and, and by the way, I, I think it's very important to highlight that these people understand the premise of what we are going to be putting them through. They know. That, the trainers. Yeah, the trainers. They know that they can go to another gym, not have to do any of this stuff, and just start at maybe $8 more per hour, and there's going to be no upside to education that's given to them and how valuable they're going to be. Mm-hmm. They understand the premise that we're going to be fucking exceptional. Mm-hmm. We're going to be the only team of trainers, as far as I have no idea around here, who are going to be able to solve problems for people that other gyms are creating. Right. And they understand that. So they're all in on themselves to be able to make financially fulfilling careers and incomes in this industry. Yeah. And and the pay scale, so I don't remember what the what the part-time level one trainer is. 20. 20. And a full-time is 27, yeah? Mm-hmm. So at, at level one. At level one, right. So a level one trainer has baseline education. They can assess and they understand foundational movements. Mm-hmm. They can keep somebody safe. $20 if they're part-time, which is 20 sessions or 19 sessions a week or less. $27 if they're full-time, which is 20 sessions a week or more. As they progress and gain more education, they are able to get all the way up to $60 per session, mm-hmm. which is amazing. $60 a session is unheard of in a commercial gym setting. And depending on how much and how much you want to work and how many clients you want to see, in reasonable hours that avoid burnout, you're making anywhere from $78 to $90-something thousand dollars a year. Correct. And... When they get to that level, they earn the right to start doing program design for clients so they can come to the gym, work out in the Hollywood, buy a program design from a coach and pay them less than they would pay for personal training. But now a coach can handle more clients and now a coach is no longer capped by their time. They're able to say, I will help clients at Hollywood from anywhere. So I can go on vacation. I can take that surf trip. I can go check out Europe, not only because I can afford it, but because the way that the gym affords me to make a living allows me that space and time freedom to leave. Paid vacations. Paid vacations. From clients who are happy to be paying you, excited for you to be taking vacations, knowing that you're getting the refreshment that you deserve because of all the hard work you put into them. And when you come back, you're going to be more charged than you were before to continue picking up with them where you left off. Yes. And here's the reason why I think this is also important for trainers in a commercial gym environment. When you walk into a group fitness facility, it's obvious that people are going to judge the value of your facility on the value and the, the skill of your coaching. It's obvious. That's the product you're selling coaching. It's less obvious that that's what's going to happen in a commercial gym because a lot of people just come in to rent the equipment. They want to come in. They want to be able to do their bicep curls and look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Now, what's missed is that people are observant. And if they see an unprofessional trainer in a gym who doesn't respect the gym, who doesn't respect the role, who doesn't respect the members, who doesn't respect the space, They just assume the same way that if you saw a dirty bathroom in a restaurant, everything here is run that way. Right, right, right. So it's actually exactly the same in a commercial gym. If the trainers aren't smiling, aren't fulfilled, aren't professional, aren't exemplary of what you want the rest of the gym to look and feel like, then members will assume that the ownership or the management of this gym just doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, look... Uh, take take the analogy to going into a walk-in medical clinic. If there are four doctors on staff in this bigger thing, and they're 
all walking around and they they don't look they don't look clean. They don't look stoked. They look run down. They look like they'd rather be somewhere else. They look like everything about the place is stressing them out beyond belief. And, and granted, I understand why most doctors are going to be stressed out today. But if if everything about the environment, whenever professional we're talking about, but especially in, in, in healthcare, if any professional you're looking at represents someone who isn't fulfilled, isn't excited, isn't healthy looking, and isn't positively optimistic to be there, why would you want to follow their lead? It's funny you bring that up because I was with Tyler McBride, our mutual friend, uh, on Sunday. and That's he, a good day to see Tyler. Yeah, yeah. No rush. <laughs> so he was talking about a recent visit to a doctor's office in which he said everybody in the room, and now he's at, Tyler owns a, a CrossFit gym in Mineola, New York. Does a really good job. He's been open for like 12 or 13 mm-hmm. years now, maybe even longer. No, he's on 12, 12 years now. Okay. Uh, and he does a really good job and he really cares about his membership. He was talking about every single employee and there were eight behind the counter was morbidly obese. And he said the one person who saw him in the room was not. And he was like, all right, you know, the doctor seems to be taking better care of themselves than the employees. Okay. And then he walked outside after his visit and the doctor was smoking a cigarette outside the door. And he's like, how is this healthcare? How is this healthcare? I wouldn't, exp- if, if I went to a school and none of the teachers could read, it, it wouldn't. Well, one, look, one would, ar- my, my counter argument to that would be the services and the knowledge that they're providing you to improve your own healthcare doesn't necessarily need to match their own habits and their practice and their behaviors that they choose. However, the problem is that this is a much more pervasive cultural problem that we're facing. Mm-hmm. So and, it's and not, I would agree with you. I mm-hmm. made a video talking about that the, the coach can be overweight. They just have to overcome the reality that yeah, they're overweight. That an overweight coach might even be more inspiring and relatable to many of the clients they want to work with. A hundred percent. There, I think that it's, it's much more difficult for the, the healthcare facility to overcome that. The, the, you know, building the trust, the acumen, the belief that this person actually really does care about their health when they're outside smoking a cigarette or when they're agree. Yeah. So, so we're talking about the coaches in the commercial gym yes. now. They so have to appear. They have to appear as though they care about being there. They don't have to be ripped and jacked and shredded. That's not the thing. That's not what we're talking about. I just went on a little bit of a tangent there. The idea is they represent the gym. Just like any employee of any business represents the business. And if you're not inspiring the trainers in your gym, if you are the manager, if you're listening to this and you manage a commercial gym and you're not creating incentives that allow them to earn a livable wage, and we'll talk about that in a second, when they're full-time, you should expect them to want to leave. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be surprised when they leave. You shouldn't even be like, oh, it sucks, we lost another one. You should have the date on your calendar when you can start to expect these people are going to leave the gym. So let's talk about a livable wage and how a commercial gym can do a better job supplying it. We've been teaching group fitness gyms to do it. Let's talk about commercial gyms doing it. How many personal training sessions would you say, Larry, because you were in it more recently than I was, is a reasonable amount of training sessions for a full-time personal trainer to do in a gym who does it for a career? Um, as per their life outside and their comfort and their speed of taking care of all the other things on the outside, between 25 and 35 hours a week. Let's call it 30 then. So if you're doing 30 personal training sessions a week, you are top 5% 
personal trainer in a commercial gym nationwide. Mm -hmm. Agreeable? Yep. Great. 30 sessions a week is going to be a 40-hour work week because now you're going to be writing the programs and doing all the relationship building outside. Programming, travel time, admin, communication before, after, and during sessions, all that stuff. And the selling when you lose a client and all of that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sure, we're all the best trainer in the world. We're all going to lose a client. It happens. You got to go sell a new one. Mm -hmm. So 30 sessions a week. At 30 sessions a week, what you need to be doing as the manager of the gym is assume two weeks off. Assume two weeks, they're not, they're not doing it. They're not training their clients. So we have 50 weeks. So that's 1,500 sessions a year. I want you to go online and look for a place to live within two miles of the gym where you would be happy to move in. And when you do that, I want you to look at the rent for that apartment and identify that 30 sessions must earn the person enough money such that the rent on the apartment that you would happily move into represents 30% of their pay or less. So, for example, I am in conversations right now with one of our staff members who I believe will be very key to our growth long-term as a company. And I want her to be in New York working with us. Currently, her pay allows her to live a reasonable lifestyle where she is. It's not enough. I want to pay her more. It's not enough. But if she was going to move to New York, I started looking at apartments. That what, you would want to live in. That I would be happy to right. live in. Not like in what's the, the coop I can put her in. Right. And, and, and also, right. by the way, like in Long Beach. I'm not looking in the neighboring towns where there's screw less the, less the of a vibe. Towns. Screw the neighboring towns. I want them to, if they're coming here, I want to be like, now you live in a beach town. You right. get beach passes. You're right. on the boardwalk. Like you get that life. And the, 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 the most affordable, reasonable apartment that I found that was nice was $1,850. Okay. Well, if I want this person to move here, I need to then pay them $6,000 a month. Sorry, that's the gig, boss. If you want somebody to come and be full-time in an area where the cost of living is a minimum of $1,850, you need to pay them $6,000. That's how it works. Now, in the gym, you're not going to pay the trainer $6,000 to be there. But you need their full-time performance to reflect that they can make that $6,000. So they can earn their way towards being able to bring in Mm $6,000 without an issue where the gym is profiting off that. Mm -hmm. The coach is making $6,000 a month they Mm -hmm. like, and they're thoroughly, thoroughly servicing members that are stoked to continue paying them for that. Right. So now if we look at a gym in Long Beach, for example, what were you being paid on a session when you worked at sports club? Uh, I think it averaged 35 bucks, 38 bucks, $38. So what we can do now is 38 times 110 because you would get 110 sessions in a month. And if you were doing 30 a week, Mm -hmm. That's going to net you right around 4,000 bucks, 4,100. Okay. That's $2,000 short. You need to be paid at least 50% more on every single one of those sessions to justify staying at that gym when you start to face that wall of, I can't sell more time, Mm -hmm. right? That would have gotten you to $6,000. If they would have paid you an additional $19 a session, they would have been paying you what? 57 bucks a session. Would you have stayed? 
probably for much, much longer. That's the point. That's the point. And you would have had something to look forward to all along. So you, I, you can also argue you would have been better. Well, yeah, because I would, I would have been more focused. I would have been more hungry. It, you would have something to reach for. Yep. So, and now the reality is I understand when this person moves here, um, they might one day decide to get married and have kids. It's not going to cut it anymore. They're going to need to move out of a one-bedroom apartment and into right. some place that's two, three, four, or a house. Okay, well, what's that going to cost? I need to understand that as that person's life changes, I either lose the staff member or the staff member is facing a little bit of resistance as they work for us because they're not earning enough to live here or I amend the role and pay them for it. Right. Very, very important for people who did not necessarily wrap their head around that last part, amending the role. We have to talk about people who are going to think, well, what, I'm just, when their life changes long-term, I need to just pay them more? No, there's a conversation around how do we change role and pay so that they're commensurate to each other. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It's not, you don't owe somebody more money because they had a kid. That person, if they want to make more money, needs to create the value that earns that money. Mm. You as the employer need to create the opportunity for that person to create that value. Right. That's all. And then you need to pay them when they, when they hit it. Mm-hmm. So the, the point I'm making here about the difference between these two is that it's reasonable for a personal trainer in a commercial gym to make less money per session than a personal trainer or a coach in a boutique gym makes per session because of the number of available sessions in the commercial gym as compared to the right. other gym, the, the, the boutique gym. Yes. It's a trade-off, right? Because your time is your time. And, and you should make enough money in your time to live your life no matter where you work. You're trading more money for a little bit of a harder client acquisition in the group fitness model and client service for less money, easier client acquisition, less friction in your schedule. And to be perfectly clear about it, that's especially up front. But commercial gyms should and can create the kind of environment where they incentivize people to continue and stay there so that they could earn more money per hour over time. Yeah. And, and this is where I feel like we, um, our next frontier is, yep. is commercial gyms must do a much better job incentivizing and paying their staff for the value that they bring to the gym. At the same time, they need to create opportunities for the staff to continue to bring more value so that they don't top out. Huge. Big difference. Thank you for that. Turn progress. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Life Podcast. If you did, please be sure to head to wherever you listened to it and give us a quality review as well as five stars if you can spare them. If you want more from us, feel free to follow all of our social media accounts at Active Life Professional, Active Life Rx, and Dr. Sean Pastuch on Instagram. Remember, at Active Life, we believe that the healthcare clinic of the future is the gym and the healthcare provider of the future is the coach. We also believe that that future is now. Time to